And I think this is something a lot of people struggle with, that if someone doesn't want to see you again, you take that as a fundamental flaw in who you are, rather than lack of compatibility with this person. Hey, lovebirds and kittens. I think that's what Elena from the Yoni Empire calls her people. So welcome back to all the lovebirds and the kittens out there. This is part two of our conversation. Part one was about what it means to be yourself in relationship, authentically you, so that you can show up for people just the way you are not having to make any massive modifications to you as a person or to your personality, and knowing that you are good just the way you are, and that there are people that like you just as you are. Today is part two of that, and we talk about compatibility. How if you are authentically you, sometimes that you is not compatible with another person, no matter how much you want it to be. And we also talk about coping mechanisms, being mindful about what you bring back into your life, not doing what others tell you to do, and rather looking inside rather than outside for the answers. This is very much a fly-on-the-wall conversation of two friends getting to know each other. And you'll see in this conversation just how different Elena and I are. And that highlights this idea that we are all so different and what, what, what might work for you will not work for somebody else. So what does that mean for compatibility? Find out on part two of this episode with the Yoni Empire. And make sure to check out the show notes for the links to all of the books that we talked about in this episode and to our a book list. Elena and I both have a book list. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. What are some of your coping mechanisms um, that you really have to be aware of that you don't take them? let's say, too far, or that they don't control you? For example, binging Netflix all day. Yeah, I don't do that. I usually, uh, I don't really watch a lot of TV, though I've been watching way more TV than I ever have this last month and a half. I'm also like alone in New Mexico. And uh, for me, any nicotine, really, really dangerous Mm -hmm. for me because I was a former smoker and I have to be really, really careful. Uh, Obviously, drugs and alcohol. I mean, I don't even mess with that. I've got a good handle on caffeine. I'm usually up to just one coffee a day. It used to be three or four. Um, not exercising, something I have to be careful about. Like I ha- have to move my body regularly, whether even if it's just long a long walk at, at the very minimum. I walk a minimum of an hour a day. Um, and that's on like even bad days. I'll, I'll kind of slog through that social media i don't really uh consume it anymore i'm more 
my relationship to social media is that I should be like creating at least twice what I consume. Yeah, that's about it for now. Sugar. Mm-hmm. Cookies. Yeah, I keep, keep seeing your cookies on Instagram. Yeah, I made some <laughs> yesterday. They were delicious. Actually, they're not that great. I'm not a great cookie maker. I think I'm getting putting too much flour in because I don't have a measuring cup. I have like a scoop that you get out of a protein powder container. And I'm guessing that that scoop is about half a cup. So the ratios are wrong, which makes for these puffy cookies. And I don't want a puffy cookie, but that seems to be what's coming out these days. What's the deal with everyone baking bread all of a sudden? They're bored. Is that like a soothing thing? Or should we be baking bread? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, people don't, people have time on their hands. And they're doing stuff they've never done before which I think is great. I think this is, this is a great opportunity for people to reevaluate what are they spending their time on. And to like, you know, you Marie kondo your apartment, you can Marie Kondo parts of your life. Yeah. Be, be mindful about what you bring back into your life. For me, the pandemic and the quarantine has actually been a bittersweet kick in my ass in realizing how, for how long I've been delaying a lot of projects that I wanted to achieve and do for my career and my work. And now I no longer have an excuse because I'm also financially affected as an entrepreneur and a coach, especially in the sexuality industry. You know, people are now more conscious with their money spending and they're not as eager to uh, give it to me. Or I also do yoni massage, so I cannot touch people anymore. So I've been financially affected and I really had to look into what are some other ways that I need to make money? How can I keep myself financially secure or more aware and so whenever my friends are saying they're bored i say the opposite i've never been this busy in my life i am slaying day in and day out as much as i can but it's a wonderful kick in my butt that it's not like it's it's now whenever i have to do i have to finish um, and that feels really good for me so i haven't had the time to mope around or binge on netflix or even bake bread but I procrastinate by helping friends and loved ones solve their problems. So one of my favorite things is helping my boyfriend marry Kondo his apartment or here because he's currently remodeling his place. So I'm like, here, let me help you paint the wall or put in the floor because I don't want to sit and work. <laughs> let me make you dinner. Here, here's a sandwich. I'm just constantly finding a way to um, distract myself that way from my work. I mean, that's a virtuous procrastination. So we call that. It's a people pleasing. <laughs> Is it though? Because if it's authentic, then um, it, it, can be, it can be authentic. It can just be a distraction from your work, which is totally fine. I think it's a pleasant distraction from work. I also like to clean. My house is very clean. And so whenever I don't want to work on something, I'll just end up, you know, washing up or cleaning the windows or find something to do other than sit down and write because I'm a writer as well. So, you know, they always say the hardest thing is to sit down and actually start typing. That's true. And there's always a shelf that needs cleaning or shoes that need to be reorganized or, you know, shirts that need to be ironed. (laughs) Yeah, you can always find something. Absolutely. And when I come to my boyfriend's house, it's even worse. There's so much to do. (laughs) He needs your help. It's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I am hosting these calls for people in the Lovebird Club, which is anybody who's ever given me any money. 
Uh, I've invited to a private Facebook group for people that value trust, love, and intimacy and respect mm. and who value this work. And I am only one perspective and one set of experiences. So it's really great to learn from all these other people. And we had a call last night and there was 12 of us on there. And the question was, what's exciting in your world? Which is one of my favorite like opening lines for anybody. Mm-hmm. And it was really exciting to hear how many people have are like figuring out what their next thing is mm-hmm. because this has given them an opportunity to do that because maybe their current thing ended or their current thing isn't going to work anymore or their current thing doesn't excite them anymore and it was really yeah. inspiring to hear that some people are using this as an opportunity and i i mean i want to be clear you don't have to you absolutely don't have to and and some people can't whatever your situation is you're not in a position to reinvent your life at all. And this podcast has never been a like, you know, drastically optimize your life and be better and slay more and triple your output. <laughs> like that is just not my message because it's not been be my a experience. Warrior. No, 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 change. Yeah. Get laid. <laughs> yeah, I want you to get laid for sure, but I want you to do it in a way that makes sense for you and that is safe and is authentic and is direct and above board and doesn't have any manipulation. Uh, but it's still inspiring to see people using this as an opportunity to figure out like, okay, well, what, could, what could my life look like if I got to reinvent parts of it? It's really nice. It's nice to see. You know, what I see now is just there's so many what feels like opposing views on how to live your life, how to date, how to fuck, how to even clean. You know, it's like you have a YouTube uh, video on how to declutter your life. And then there is another YouTube video. Don't declutter. Five things to keep. There's videos on being vegan and then there's videos on being uh, eating a lot of meat. And like everyone seems to be right and everyone has the answer. And I think what I'm seeing now a lot is people are so scared to present their idea because somewhere out there will get insulted or disagree with you that now we're getting to a place where we're almost scared to hold on to something that we truly believe in what i find interesting about this is the from the consumer standpoint i've had some clients say okay well you know i was studying john wyland's work and then i was studying john data's work and then i was studying uh, mark grove's work and then i was studying uh, man speaks and this person and then your work and I don't know what to do. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, stop doing that. Stop <laughs> looking everywhere for answers and look inside what feels right for you. And he's like, well, you know, acting like an alpha doesn't feel right. Okay, well, don't do that then. Don't do what other people are telling you to do unless it resonates deeply within yourself. And I had to learn this along the way. You know, I'm 37. Uh, I read stuff. I read a lot of stuff. And I keep what works for me and I, and I leave the rest behind. And I think this is really important with my message, with anybody's message. If it doesn't resonate with you, don't do it. It's totally fine not to do it. Only do what you want to do. I, I often write to um, on Instagram that my followers and I are in an open relationship, meaning that I don't want them to follow me 100%, but go and read the work of other people. Go and read someone who's completely opposite of what I'm writing and really find your path and realize that maybe what I write about now might not resonate with you, but it might resonate next year. 
and really keeping, you know, an open mind and feeling into what works for you now. Because I, I truly believe that everyone is right in their own way. And you will always find the people that get you. Um, and more than ever lately, I appreciate people can hold their ground and say, this is what I believe in, you know, and not kind of muddy up the water or stand back on their ideas and their values. I mean, we're just going back to the pizza. Be your be a Hawaiian pizza if that's who you are. Sorry, my, my headphones are dying. Can I put new ones in? Can you give me two seconds? Sure. You have new headphones? It's my boyfriend's headphones. She's just going to throw a new pair of AirPods in. No big deal. Yeah. Hold on. I didn't realize you were going to die. Hello? Oh, are your headphones working? These are the ones that I was charging for the last five minutes. Okay. So let's hope they last. Um, I'm sorry about this. It's not a big deal at all. Well, I am talking to a Virgo. so. Yeah, but it's a Virgo, Virgo that uh, has very low expectations. <laughs> I want to be better than low expectations. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I have high standards, but low expectations. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I just, you know, people show up the way they can and sometimes technology doesn't always respond and that's fine. It's just, it's like not a reflection on me and you're probably going to beat yourself up more than I will. And well, you oh, definitely absolutely. are. Yeah. I definitely will. I remember my, uh, girlfriend said she was going to call me. I was having like a moment and she said she was going to call me and she never did. And I called her a couple times, but she had fallen asleep. And in the morning she called me and she was like mortified. She felt really bad. She like self punished herself. And I was like, Oh, it's yeah, it's fine. I, for sure. I was disappointed, but I, I understood that there was probably a reason why and that it wasn't personal. Yeah. So it's just nice to be able to have that kind of generosity. I think people get really hung up on that kind of stuff. You know, like you did this to me. And it's like, no, for, for the most part, no, people aren't doing anything to you. They're doing what they need to do. Sometimes they're doing the best they can, the best kind of shitty. Uh, and it's important to let go of that, let go of all that. Cause it's going to breed resentment and uh, contempt. And, you know, it's not, it's not useful when we're talking about building intimacy. One of my things on my to-do list during quarantine is to befriend myself with technology because I've always had this story that I am not a technological person. I work with people. I work with a female body and technology is just not my friend. And that has in many ways set me back in my career because I haven't gone out there to create a podcast or online sessions or film myself doing, you know, I don't know, online courses, mainly because I just don't like working with technology. It breaks my head in. Um, totally valid. So quarry time is the time to start working on that baby steps. Do you want a suggestion? Sure. Um, get a pair of backup wired headphones. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Are you giving me advice? <laughs> no, I asked you. So this is very, it's actually very important. Let's, let's talk about this for a sec. Uh, listeners noticed how I asked Elena if she would like a suggestion. And she said, yes. Then I gave it to her. And that's what that looks like. That's what solicited advice looks like. Um, <laughs> that's an appropriate way to give a suggestion. And if you had said no, I would have said, cool. And we would have moved on. And I wanted to Did teach this. Say no? Sure. Yeah. 
Oh. Hey, I have a suggestion for you. Yeah, I'm not really open to that. So I'm somebody who is not open to suggestions for the most part, unless I've solicited really? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I get these messages from people that are like, hey, you should totally read this book. And I go, cool, thanks so much for letting me know. I'll put it on my list. And then I don't, because it's unsolicited. If I say, mm. hey, send me your favorite book, that's called a solicited advice. I'm soliciting, actively soliciting and wanting your input. But for the most part, I don't really want other people's input unless I ask for it. I definitely want it. Cool. Throw your best input at me and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it. If you feel like telling me what you think I should do, uh, tell Elena instead. At the Yoni Empire. Yeah. I go around telling people what to do. Well, not what to do, what to read all the time. I feel like if I wasn't doing the work that I do, I would have some kind of book suggestion website, book club. And I should just go around going, here, read this, here, read that. This will change your life. <laughs> well, you can have a book list on your website. I do. I do. Yeah, I yeah, do too. But I have see, a number of them. Check this out. You were reading Anal Pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I saw that. I asked you what the book was. I bought it. Because I'm it was liking it. well, I like it. But the the day that I bought it, I went to the hot springs that are right by my house, and I dropped my Kindle in the water, and Ouch. like second chapter, you know, and uh, so <laughs> that killed the Kindle. But then I ordered a new waterproof one, so um, I'm pumped to get to get started reading it again. Uh, one thing I want to talk about while we're on the subject is. I love how this episode is basically just like you and I musing on a bunch of different topics. We're totally Joe Roganing this whole thing. Yeah, I, I never do that. So I think this is fun. <laughs> uh, people, one thing I wanted to include in my workshop is to strike the word should from your vocabulary, mm. especially when you're talking to somebody. Because when you tell somebody what you think they should do or what they should do, it's incredibly presumptuous. So they should strike the should out. They could. <laughs> my suggestion, it, my invitation is that you strike should from your your vocabulary and, and you can do whatever you want, obviously. But uh, when you tell somebody what they should do, it's incredibly presumptuous because you're presuming that you know better than they do. And for the most part, you don't because you're not an expert on their life and you don't have their experiences and their stories. And you also don't know that they already haven't tried that. And maybe I'm just extra sensitive to this, but anytime anybody uses should, uh, I kind of shut down. Really? Yeah, definitely. I again, like I open up, I'm like, oh my God, really? This book changed your life or this practice did this to you? <gasps> I want to try it whenever I see people super pumped up about something i i'm the opposite i'm like tell me more god we're all so different huh totally yeah so i mean wow. this is all very personal to me but I, I think there are a lot of people that relate to uh, my experience uh because maybe uh -huh. people have been telling them what they should do their whole life and instead you know i really think that wisdom is experienced and not taught Absolutely. And that you kind of got to go through it on your own. And so my invitation to people is instead of saying, um, you know, you should do this, say, I have a suggestion, are you open to hearing it? Mm 
And if they say no, then that's no. And if they say yes, like you, then go for it. And if you are the type of person who just can't help themselves, then instead of saying you should do this, you could you could say if you had to, if you just couldn't help yourself and overwhelmed with a desire to tell someone how they should live their life, you could say, uh, have you considered? Have you considered this? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know what I have and it, it didn't work. Oh, okay, cool. Or no, I haven't. Wow, that's such a great suggestion. Thank you so much. I just feel the language is so much softer and it can be received better. I mean, if really the intent is to like help somebody, then you kind of want to use the language that's gonna where where that message will land best. But that requires you knowing, I guess, more about the person. And um, what's that? You got delivery? <laughs> Boyfriend, hold on. Oh, nice. My friend who is a poet messaged me the other day, and he wrote he writes these like really sexy one liners. And there's a line that he wrote, something along the lines of like, open the door, baby, uh, let me in, and I'm going to take what's mine. What is it, nuke face? face? Yes. (laughs) Um, I completely badgered his line, but it was something along those lines. And he writes in alignment to my sexual wiring. So I read every single of his poems, and they completely connect to it. Like it speaks to my soul, it speaks to my desires, it speaks to my eroticism. I am someone that, like, I will open the door, come and take me. But it was very interesting to watch how this line triggered so many people. Because they felt like there was no consent in there, they felt like it was imposing, it felt rapey, it felt, you know, like unsolicited advice. And if was watching the comments and talking to him about it afterwards. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see how different people are, that to someone, a line speaks fully to their heart. And to someone else, it just gives them so much pain. I love his work, by the way, and it also resonates with me a lot and resonates with my partner. Actually, I haven't really talked to her about his work, but I know that it resonates just in our sexuality and in the way that we have, Mm. um, just the way our relationship is formed. She really surrenders to my masculine. Yeah. And there is something really beautiful about taking what's yours. As long as it's in the context of respect and intimacy and that we know that this is sort of... um, we're not actually taking anything that's ours. Yeah. But yet we are. Yeah. It's the difference between surrendering to a man that you're in love with and he's in love with you versus some guy on a drunk Tinder Friday night that right. you just met. Right. And I also want to say that if my girlfriend said, hey, you should do this, I, I won't be as sensitive if she says it, because we have this foundation of trust. But if it's some rando on Instagram, well, you know what? You really don't know much about me. Like, you know what I share with you, but it's inappropriate for you to tell me what to do. But in the context of my relationship, depending on the dynamics in the relationship and the amount of trust and intimacy you have, it could be totally fine for me to tell my partner, hey, uh, you know, don't do that. Or, you know, you should try it, try it this way instead. Totally fine if it works in the context of your relationship. Yeah, and I love I love his work. Uh, it is very like uh, it's got some 
rapey aspects to it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really, it, it's, it can be really triggering for people because they're not in that kind of relationship in which that is it's okay. It's not their wiring. Yeah. yeah. One woman's pain is another woman's pleasure. Sure. But now as you know, as you and I are talking, I can see that also in just basic communication and relating. I am someone that I am motivated by having my ass kicked. So um, tell me what I should do because it just inspires me to pay attention to you. Get kind of domineering and commanding around me. I love that. I have that agreement with my editor that she can take out her whip, you know, her imaginary whip and whip me into telling me that what I wrote is a piece of shit. And we do it in a playful way within our commitment of understanding what works for us. And that inspires me to write better or commit more to the piece of writing. And I have that in a lot of my relationships, you know, but this is because the people who know me know who I am. If someone is more gentle with me, I almost don't react. Mm. It's like, I don't hear it. But then you, you know, when you work with other people, you see that this is exactly what they want. They need baby steps and gentleness, sweetness, comfort. And I just need a whip. <laughs> whip me out of that couch. <laughs> I think I'm critical enough of myself that uh, when other people are critical of me, it's just really hard to handle, even though I know it's mm. not personal. But like I'm already whipping myself enough that I don't need anybody else to do it. And my process- Even in a playful way? Uh, depends who you are. Mm. my circle of like trusted intimate friends is small and yeah, I don't let everybody in by design because I have a finite amount of energy and I'm intensely protective of it. Mm. And so the type of people that can talk to me that way, there aren't very many of them, but they can get away with it. But everybody else, I won't be offended. I'll just, it's just a turn off. There, there's a pet peeve of mine. Mm. Tell me what to do. See, it's a turn on of mine. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So let's say if you and I met and whether we're meeting as friends or we're on a date, how do we find out this about each other? Right? So, okay, let's say if we're going on a date, how do we then connect? Or maybe then you and I wouldn't connect on a date because of this, because we have this big difference in communication. Well, we should try just to see what happens. <laughs> that was low hanging fruit. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I think we would have to feel each other out. That's what happens when people date, right? You, you make like small disclosures and you try things and you gauge the response. You know, oh, how did that land? Oh, did that not? Okay, oops, I might have to, I might have to apologize, or I might have to adjust, or it might just be that we are so different that this would never work. But yeah. you know, my girlfriend doesn't uh, have; she has no trigger around this at all. I can tell her all sorts of shit. <laughs> you know, have you done this? Why haven't you done this? But I don't because that's not how I communicate. I'm really, really sensitive about this stuff. But w when it does come out, she doesn't care at all. It's like. It's really interesting. She she she's like, oh, I'd rather you just tell me right away, uh, you know, like don't do that, and then I'll know not to do it. 
But for me, I think I just really need people to be gentle with me in terms of when they get feedback and criticism and stuff. Less so, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm doing the workshop and I've asked, you know, I'm soliciting feedback. So when I solicit feedback, I'm asking for it. I'm putting myself in that position. Mm. But when I'm not, like, don't come at me with what you think I should do. It's a good way for me to like be, be uninterested in you. Yeah. Years ago, I was, um, I was having this business meeting in Bali and uh, the woman I was having a business meeting with, her brother walked up and sat next to us and she introduced him. She said, this is my brother. And he was really cute and I was single. So I was kind of, you know, giving him a bit of a flirty eye. And later on, you know, the woman and I thanked each other. I went away and I messaged her saying, damn, your brother is really cute. Meaning, come on, girl, connect us. And she said, would you like his number? I said, well, why don't you give him my number? And then I get this message a few days later, like, hi, Elena. I wasn't sure whether you were okay with me messaging you, but maybe possibly one day you would like to go on a date with me if you give me my, your consent. It was like something very long and very, very passive. And I thought, okay, well, I was single. I was down to party and I wrote, let's meet up. It would be great. And he writes me another paragraph. I don't know what you like and I don't want to make any assumptions, but maybe possibly one day when you consent, I could maybe potentially meet you. And I was thinking, what? Just say when and where, buddy. <laughs> and so we had this conversation back and forth for two days. I kept answering with one line. He would write me these massive paragraphs. And I thought, okay, there's just no compatibility here, you know? And he was from California. It was in the time of the hashtag me too. I thought, okay, maybe the guy's being extra careful, but it's funny because this is who I am and he doesn't know whom he's dealing with. <laughs> and what I love in a man is, you know, this strong spine and confidence, you know, look me in the eye and say, I want to take you out for a coffee. How about tomorrow at 8 PM or whatever, you know, and that makes me excited. That makes me interested in you. Um, he was doing the complete opposite. But maybe, and I would hope for him, it would work on other women like magic. Sure. You know, the other women would read this and go, wow, he's so respectful and amazing and caring. And he's, you know, it's kind of like being on Bumble. Like on Bumble, it's like he's giving me the first step to make and I have all the decisions and I feel so empowered. For me, it's the most boring thing in dating. <laughs> That's why I love Noob Face. <laughs> I get that. And some people are going to need that kind of safety and uh, framing for them to relax. And you don't need that. By the way, I would never ask you out in that kind of way. I guess this is why you and I are dating other people. <laughs> no, no. What? No, I would ask you out in the way that you are used to being asked Oh, out. in his way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would ask you out in not the California touchy-feely. Oh, okay. I'd be like, uh, hey, I think you're great. I'd love to take you out for a drink. Is that something that you're available for? Period. Great. I don't know. It just, th this whole passiveness is a major lady boner killer for me. There is that aspect of maybe post me too, men not really knowing how to approach people anyways, because they're scared of being seen as predators. And uh, I think it is kind of challenging to navigate though, as long as it's done with respect and um, transparency. Hey, I think you're great. I'd love to get to know you. You want to grab a drink sometime? Yeah. Do you want to grab a drink sometime? By the way, it's different than we should grab a drink sometime. Maybe. <laughs>
let's grab a drink. Wait, let's grab a drink is better because it's a statement. Um, would you like it to grab a drink is, is great. My favorite is this uh, two or three part invitation that I learned from both Charlie Glickman and um, Dr. Ali, where you say, hey, if you're up for it, I'd love to have dinner with you. And if you're not available, that's also okay. Hmm. I think this ultimately brings us to the whole idea that, I mean, for me, what really rings true in my life is the concept of compatibility, that someone could be amazing in so many ways and still not be compatible to you. And so for me, dating has always been a process of filtration. And, you know, I've been rejected many times after a date. I've rejected people. You just don't want to continue. You know, there's no vibe. You don't feel someone. And I've been very good at not taking it personally because to me, it's like, it's not what I'm looking for. It doesn't mean the person isn't good enough. And I think this is something a lot of people struggle with, that if someone doesn't want to see you again, you take that as a fundamental flaw in who you are rather than lack of compatibility with this person. Yeah. And being able to stay in your integrity and say, thank you so much. Have a lovely time. You know, have a lovely life. See you around. We take it personally. We start blaming them. We spiral out into a story. We don't want to date anymore. We talk about how there is no conscious men out there and so on. My favorite kind of breakup line in early dating is something along the lines of, you know, I had a great time with you. Um, and the connection that we have isn't the connection that I'm looking for. Ooh, lovely. Need to write that one down. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the focus is on the connection. What you and I have together is not what I want. It's not, you're not what I want. It's the, the chemistry, the connection, the relationship that we have, the dynamic between you and I is not what I'm looking for. Mm. And you can, you know, read into that and be like, oh, well, I'm not what you're looking for. And that may be true. And that's okay. I thought I liked cinnamon on my pizza and it turns out it's kind of weird. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that does own the shit out of that. Yeah. Like here's the problem with today's world or maybe the world ever is let's go rant no time. No one teaches us how to date. <laughs> Elena no goes on a rant. No one teaches us how to date. <laughs> No one teaches us how to make love. No one teaches us how to touch each other. So, and this, I want to hear from you. Like, how would you solve it? What do you think? Like, should we be teaching dating in high school or, you know, I mean, I, I have my own thoughts on sex education, but I'd love to hear your ideas on dating, you know, because right now, of course, everyone's teaching consent, but to me, consent is just one part of a much bigger um, concept. You know, there's more to sex and lovemaking and connection and finding the one and dating than just consent. How do you go about, you know, when you're 16, 18, 20, some of us are still making the same mistakes at 45. I think less, it's less about dating and it's more about relational connection. Mm -hmm. I, I think relationship education would be incredibly valuable and should be a part of all school curriculum from a very young age. How to relate to people, how to connect with them, how to communicate. Gosh, if we had communication education on how to talk about your needs and your boundaries and how to express your desires in a respectful way, then we wouldn't have to teach dating or lovemaking because we could just uh, ask for what we need and what we want in a way that is uh, respectful and authentic and 
uh, doesn't place any demands on the other person. I'd much rather see that than dating and lovemaking education. When would you start teaching it? Like at what age do you think Four? a young human can <laughs> Four? understand it? Four, Four I guess. Wow. Yeah. Aren't there some countries in Europe you're the now, of course, the de facto authority on all things European because you live there right now and I don't, that teach sex ed, start to teach sex ed at the age of four. Um, Holland is considered to have actually best education on sex in the That's world. That's right. And they start at, you know, I don't want to give misinformation, but I want to say nine. Okay, yeah. They start early, which is quite early compared to everyone else. Sure. And they go deep. Like my friend, her daughter is nine is now taking her daughter every week to a little group at some woman's house who has videos and PowerPoint presentations and pictures and puppets and like all of it. And they talk about the whole thing. It's really amazing. Yep. I think we should be having relationship education, communication tools and skills taught at an early age throughout the whole life life cycle of, of uh, the education system, scholastic system. Man, imagine a five-year-old coming home and like looking at their family and going, man, you guys all need therapy. <laughs> yeah, but you know, two generations from now, maybe that's less of an issue because those people also had that education. I can only imagine what it would do if, we, if that was a priority. There's a beautiful book by Daniel Walsh. You should read it <laughs> called Conversations with God. Beautiful, beautiful book. Non-religious at all. I'll put it on my list. Yeah, you should. <laughs> and um, he talks about, it, it's basically a man who's having a conversation with God and turns out God in this book or in this concept is quite a funny guy. And he talks about all the subjects that we should be or could be um, educating children on in school. And it's things like, you know, the subject of compassion. Like imagine at 4 p.m. every Thursday, you're studying compassion or you're studying the art of rejection or the art of seduction or you know humility or things like that empathy i've listened to this audiobook by the way on a road trip years and years ago and now i'm inspired to maybe go and listen to it again on my drive back to canada um, uh, but to your point yeah i think we should be teaching oh my god can you imagine if we we taught people uh, the difference between various shades of anger Whew. and how to deal with those and how to process feelings and emotions, um, how to relate to other people, how to hold space for someone else's how emotions. How to find the clitoris. <laughs> how to find, I mean, how is that really that hard? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like front and center. You would be surprised. My God. You would be surprised. There, I had a conversation the other day with a friend we talked about. I mean, it's one thing to get sexual education, um, but you do need the practice, right? And I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, you hear stories of back in the day, maybe like in ancient Greece, that young boys would be sent to a madame who will, you know, like it's an older woman who will teach young men the art of lovemaking. Mm. And I love that as a concept, but I don't think it's realistic in today's world. But then we got into this conversation of what if it's something that we could do with like sex robots or those, you know, sex robot dolls that are very, very lifelike that would people send their 16 year old boys to um, a school where you could be looking for the clitoris on a sex doll. 
And maybe that is something that is in our future. It certainly is something to consider (laughs) (laughs) as we develop more uh, holistic and functional curriculums for our students. (laughs) I think you and I should just should open a school together. (laughs) It's something that we might want to consider. Yes. (laughs) After hours schooling, the art of loving. (laughs) I got a lot of feedback from my healthy communication workshop that people were blown away, you know, that this stuff isn't taught in schools. Yeah. Yeah. This seems to me like an appropriate time to wrap up, but I have a few more questions for you first. Go ahead. Okay. So if you had to leave us with one message today, what would it be? Be gentle with your heart. Oh. It's been something that has been with me for the last few months. And it's, it's a daily practice of being gentle with my heart. I mean, I don't think that we can be compassionate. There's not like too much compassion that we can have for ourselves. Yeah. Second question, where can we find you? You can find me on the Yoni Empire on Instagram or the yoniempire.com on my website. Message me. I check all my DMs, all my emails. Say hi, ask a question, book a session, feel into me. What kind of services do you offer? At the moment, I'm offering Skype consultations. So um, the way I run my consultations, it's not therapy, it's an inspiration consultation on helping a woman define what her direction in her sexuality um, can look like. So a lot of people feel very lost. Uh, They don't know, you know, there's just so much information out there. And so I help them to direct them in the right direction on what to read, what to look into, the kind of practices they can uh, look up, practices to do with partners, things to just think about, things to feel into. And so usually one session with me is really enough to skyrocket a woman's sexual expansion journey. Beautiful. And they're always positive and fun and we giggle and 99.9% of the time women leave with a huge, huge smile. The others leave with a lot to think about and maybe change in their life. Hmm. By the way, when we're able to touch each other again, I'm buying a Yoni massage session for my partner. Yeah, from you. that's my favorite. From you. <laughs> that's my favorite work to do. I really miss it. It's been now two months because right before the quarantine hit, I was taking two months off work. I was in Bali. I was studying more, uh, doing more work. I went to Vipassana. And so I came back with this beautiful new energy and I just really missed doing this work. And then quarantine hit. <laughs> so it's been three t- three months now since I've done it. And I really miss it. I want to get back to it. Well, we're going to fly to Amsterdam. Yeah. I also train couples. So I teach men how to properly touch a woman. I think I'm okay. (laughs) You can never have too much practice. (laughs) I've had a lot of practice. I mean, I've got a lot of practice coming up uh, because (laughs) we're going to be together for the month of May. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, lovely. Where are you guys going to be? Outside of Montreal. Yeah. She's got a country home for the summer. So, uh, Last question. Final question. What does love mean to you? Mm, being unconditionally present with myself. 
which goes back to just being gentle in my heart mm. and allowing myself to feel what I need to feel in that moment. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Sean. lovebirds and kittens thank you for spending this 45 minutes with elena and myself make sure to check out the show notes for all of the links to everything we talked about in this episode including the healthy communication workshop tools for all relationships this workshop was recorded and hosted in april and it's available on my website go to thelovedrive.com forward slash healthy communication if you want to learn how to speak up for yourself without pushing people away, how to say no with love, and how to make behavior modification requests from those people that are important to you in your life, which can lead to massive, massive changes in your relationships, hopefully really, really good ones. And that's it. Have a beautiful week.